Hey, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to my very first podcast. I am so excited. (laughs) You might be wondering why this podcast is called Coming Clean. If you followed me for a while, you know a part of my journey and how I have worked so freaking hard to get where I am in the fitness industry. I did this by staying committed in my workouts, staying committed in a disciplined lifestyle, and of course, eating clean, (laughs) coming clean, eating clean. (laughs) But there's a lot of my parts of my story that I haven't shared yet. This podcast is all about coming clean on all aspects of my life. I'll bring on guests and we'll discuss topics about physical and mental health and seriously, so much more. I'm so excited. Since this is the very first episode, it is only appropriate that I start by sharing more of my story with you. In the spirit of what I hope this podcast will always stand for, I plan to share more than just my highlights and the moments with happy endings and all the positive lessons. If you follow me on social media, you've certainly seen those parts of my life, but I plan to invite you fully in. So if you haven't subscribed to my podcast yet, please do. That way you'll always know when a new episode drops. All right, y'all, here we go. Since this is episode one and my podcast is called Coming Clean, I thought it was only appropriate to really dive in and fully get into the nitty gritty about my story. I'm sure that you've heard tidbits in interviews and on social media, but I really wanted to sit down with you guys and fully dive right in. And I'm going to be reverting to my little iPad over here. Remember, this is my first podcast ever. So I'm going to be kind of skimming through my notes so I don't lose my place. All right, let's dive right in here. So I'm going to take you down past my childhood to birth. (laughs) I was born in Tacoma, Washington. I was born on an army base. My dad was in the army. His dad was in the army. Basically, my whole family is in the army. When I was about one years old, my mom and dad divorced. And from that moment on, maybe even before, they despised each other. They hated each other for whatever reason. I don't know whose story is real or truthful to this day because they both just, just nitpick and nag at each other, but they've always hated each other. So all my life, it was a battle. It was a custody battle. My mom and dad would just go back and forth. And so would I, I would move back and forth. My mom lived in Minnesota My dad lived in Oklahoma and his family lived in Oklahoma and I would move back and forth. So that alone, the stability of my childhood upbringing was just not there. 
Because when I would move back and forth, I would have to change friends, change schools, change different, you know, sports associations. So the stability for me growing up was, was really hard on me. When I lived with my dad and when my dad had custody of me, I would, for the most part, live with my grandmother, who is, I swear, my guardian angel. My dad was a truck driver, so he would be home on the weekends, and then I would live with my grandma during the week, Monday through Friday. And him being a truck driver was also actually a blessing in disguise for me because my dad struggled with alcohol. And I don't know if he struggled with alcohol because being in the army was tough and challenging on him. And his dad was in the army. So my grandpa was very stern and and a little cold. So I don't know if all of these factors in my dad's life, you know, kind of drove him to drink. But when my dad would drink, he would kind of forget about his actions, his words. So he was not only emotionally abusive, which it's so hard for me to talk about, but he was physically abusive and verbally abusive. So much so that at one point I actually sadly had to call the police on my dad and I had to put him into jail because I was afraid of his actions. And I didn't know what was going to happen if I didn't have someone there to help me. And what was even more tough, the next day I had to go visit him in jail. And he com- it's like he completely forgot what had happened. And in the moment of what had happened, he had told me, if the policeman didn't take him to jail, he didn't know what he would do to me. And that was such a scary point in my life. And so from that moment on, I continued to not only move back and forth, but I moved in with family friends, like friend, like families that were friends of my families that weren't, you know, my family. Relatives helped me out. I mean, I just bounced around. I wouldn't call it foster care, but I would, I was living with families that weren't mine. And bless them for taking me in. But from that moment on, when I was about 15, I, I knew that if, if I was going to do something with my life, I needed to kind of take matters into my own hands. And when I turned 16 years old, I moved out on my own. And my aunt, actually, my, my brother's sister co-signed for me to get my own apartment and to move out. See, when I lived with my mom, it was a struggle because my mom, my mom lived with my grandma and we had, um, I had, I have two brothers, I have two half brothers. So my mom's, you know, my mom's, but not my dad's. So, you know, when I lived with my mom, it was my mom, her boyfriend, my grandma, my two brothers, and we lived in a single wide and it was just also a very un stable environment. So when I was 16, I moved out and I got a few jobs. Um, I was working, you know, the 16 year old jobs, tanning salon, the mall, just doing odd and jobs, trying to make, make ends meet. When I was about 20, I got mixed up with the wrong crowd. 
going out, getting into clubs before I was 21. And fast forward to a a few years later, I kind of was looking at my life and I was just headed nowhere quickly. I had no purpose. I had no direction. I felt lost. I didn't have parents that were like, you know, go make something of yourself, be a doctor or, you know, you know, go to college and do this and that and whatever. So I did end up enrolling in school. And as I was working jobs, enrolling in school and in being in school, this guy that was a hairdresser came up to me and he wanted to open his own gym in Oklahoma. And he was like, I see this girl going to school. She's going out. She's working multiple jobs. Like she's got drive. She's got ambition. I'm going to ask her to do a bikini competition. So I entered in my first bikini competition. I trained for four months. That was back in 2012. And I entered in Ronnie Coleman in Dallas, Texas. And I ended up placing second place. And from there, I was on cloud nine. I was like, holy moly, I just got second place in the show. I finally feel passionate about something. Like this is what I've been missing in my life. I've been missing this like fire and desire to do something and to wake up every day and to feel, to feel alive. I was lacking that for a very long time. So from there, I ended up doing multiple shows only to place a little bit less and a little bit less until I was nearly last. I remember my last show, I was last call out, which, which means you are basically almost last place. And from that moment on, I realized maybe bikini competitions just isn't my thing, but I was like this fitness lane, this fitness journey that I'm on this is something that I'm passionate about. This is something that is lighting a fire in me every day. So much so that I shadowed Scotty to get um, certified in personal training. I started training clients. I was like, this is my direction. This is my purpose. This is my path. This is what I want to do. But how can I do this and grow in the fitness community without doing bikini competitions? So from that moment on, I went back to the drawing board, did so much, including wrote magazines. And what do you know, in 2014, Women's Health Magazine wrote me back and they were like, we would like to interview you to be in our magazine. (laughs) What? (sighs) What? I'm a small town girl from Oklahoma. When I lived in Minnesota, my town was 2,500 people and women's health wants to interview me like, holy moly. I ended up borrowing money from my aunt, going up to New York, interviewing with them only for them to say, well, are you represented by an agency? I was like an agency. I'm from Oklahoma. Like, I don't even think we have agencies there. They sent me, believe it or not, to an agency because they were like, okay, if we would hire this girl, then we want to try to help her, you know, further her career. They sent me to an agency. I remember I talked to a guy named Topher. He asked me if I had a picture portfolio. No, (laughs) I did not know what a portfolio was. And he kindly turned me away and I went back to Oklahoma. 
From there, it gave me an idea. I was like, okay, well, I need to get a portfolio together. I need to get photos. So I went online. I figured out how to make a portfolio. There was a website called modelmayhem.com. It's a website where photographers and models could go on and collab, whether it be for free, you know, for, you know, traded photos or whatnot. I went on there and I started to make a photo portfolio. I took those photos and I made a comp card. I went to Olympia and I passed out my comp cards. A year later, I don't know what did it, but a year later, I had Shreds, which was one of the biggest, fastest growing supplement companies on social media, reach out to me to be the face of their company. That year, after I was the face of Shreds, I went to Olympia as an athlete. I had the biggest banner at Olympia and the longest line. So I went from passing out my comp cards, no one knowing who I was, to having the biggest banner and the longest line. From that moment on, I continued with Instagram and continued to share my journey. And I thought, how much can I grow being in the Midwest? So I had the bright idea to move to California to chase my dreams. When I did that, I didn't tell a soul, my family, my friends, because I didn't want anyone to talk me out of it. I didn't want anyone to get in my head to say, well, if you do that, you know, I don't know if you're going to make it. It's going to be too hard. There's going to be so many people out there trying to do the same thing. And you know what? I didn't listen. I didn't want to listen. I told them the day before I moved and I moved to California. The funny thing about moving to California is I didn't have much money and I moved to a town called Pomona. And it's funny. We actually looked up before this episode and the crime rate is 30% higher in Pomona, California than the national average. So again, I'm from a small town. I moved to Pomona, California. There was crime. There was homeless people. I was so out of my element. I was petrified. I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> Is, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? Seriously, I was, I was in shock. But you know what? I was like, no, you're going to make it. You have no choice. So I just had tunnel vision, head down. That's when I created the Fit and Five and essentially grew my brand on social media to about 2 million followers at that time. All right, I'm going to revert back to my notes here because I kind of got kind of lost. From Pomona, I saved up saved up enough money and I moved to Orange County. From Orange County, I lived with all of the Shreds athletes in a tall sky rise. I was just, wow. I mean, from living in Oklahoma, I grew up in a single white tra trailer to living in a sky rise with all the athletes. It was just, I was like, wow, like I've, I feel like I've made it. But with that success, came a tumbling down spiral effect because shreds 
the success of shreds, I feel like they became so successful so quickly and maybe didn't know how to keep that momentum going. They crashed as quickly or if not quicker than their rise. And because I was the face of shreds, because I was shreds, I also got the negative comments, the negative backlash. It was extremely challenging. I thought, wow, my brand is over. I'm, I'm, I'm done for. I, how am I ever going to come back from this? It was an extremely challenging time, but I also felt that because of all the toxicity that I was able to navigate through, through my childhood, I feel like that really made me a person who could overcome adversity and overcome what I was going through. So I was very determined to continue the Paige Hathaway brand past the shreds downfall. So from Orange County, I moved to LA and shortly after I reconnected with Jason and Jason is someone that I have known since I lived in the Midwest. So I've known him for 10 plus years and it was a very nice surprise reconnecting with him. And shortly after (laughs) connecting with him, Presley came into the picture, which was also a awesome, nice surprise because I always knew I wanted to have kids. I just didn't know when would be the right time, which Jason and Presley, I feel like is an episode all in their own. So we'll have to dive into all of that at a later date especially pregnancy with Presley and navigating Presley and pregnancy and dealing with my career and postpartum and the body, all of that we'll have to get into on another episode. But touching a little bit on becoming a parent to Presley, because it's definitely an interesting bookend to my childhood, but making sure that I am a great parent to her, being involved in all areas of her life, making sure she feels loved and making sure she has an upbringing different than mine, I guess you could say. That's one thing that my childhood taught me is how I want to raise her. And it also taught me how I want to navigate my relationship with Jason, how I want Presley to see our relationship together. It's definitely an interesting story. Looking back at my journey, I often wonder what was that thing that led me to where I am when so many other people are searching to do the same. That's why each episode of my podcast, I'm going to leave you guys with five things to help you overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome in life. We all have toxic things to deal with. That's life, right? We are never going to escape toxicity. Through all of this, I found I'm uniquely equipped to wade through that toxicity 
and somehow find motivation and empowerment from it. We all have a choice. What we do when we are confronted with adversity, we all have a choice. What will we do when we're confronted with adversity? We will rise above or allow it to knock us out. I'm hoping this podcast helps you make sure that you always, always rise above and are able to achieve what you are set out to achieve. It may be five ways to market yourself, five ways to remove toxic people from your life, five ways to transform your daily routine, five ways to strengthen your marriage or your relationship, five ways to improve your mental toughness, five ways to be the parent that you've always wanted to be, or five ways to love yourself. I'm not giving advice from the finish line. I'm very much so on this journey with you. Trust me. Let's give ourselves permission to evolve as we fail. This is so important. And to reach even if we come up short. I am so excited, you guys, to take this journey with you. Make sure you please rate and review the podcast to help others find it. Make sure you subscribe and tune in next week for the next episode of Coming Clean with Paige Hathaway.